Good morning and welcome to The Connection. Today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And today we will be remembering our baptism and uh, going over our baptismal vows and renewing them today. Uh, but first, I want to share the good news with you, my friends. God loves you. And no matter where you're at today, God is connecting us together so that we might be in God's presence with each other. And so let us now invite God into our worship. Lord God, please enter into our worship no matter where we're at, stitching us together so that we might be part of that angelic choir that is worshiping you eternally. Let our worship enter into theirs and their worship enter into ours so that we might be united. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. All right, my friends, I invite you now to join us as we worship. The people sing the glory of your name. 
those are our announcements for this fifth week. I'd like to share with you some of our scriptures for discussion. Scripture today comes from Psalm chapter 23, verse 2, and it's the same scripture that is Galatians chapter 6. Uh, you can follow along with me as we Let's be rest leads me to rest in Galatians chapter 3. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the custodian. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male you are all one in Christ. Now, if you belong to Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's children and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to invite all our children who are participating in worship today to gather around your computer screens, your television, your your phones, because it's so important. Good morning, boys and girls. We're excited to have you here worshiping with us today. I've got a quick question. What is this? Yeah, it's water, right? There's water in a pitcher. And what are some of the things that we can do with water? We drink it, or hopefully we do. We cook with it. We swim in it in the summer sometimes. And hopefully we're all bathing or showering with it too. Right? So water is an important part of our lives, but it's a very, very powerful thing. And water makes me think of baptism, just like in our scripture reading this morning um, that we just talked about. So one of the things that baptism is, lots of people do it in our church. Um, we do it a lot of different ways, but usually we sprinkle water. So we just take a little bit and we sprinkle it on heads and other uh, places sometimes people get fully submerged or sometimes they call it dunking um, in a water sometimes people are baptized as babies sometimes people are baptized as adults it really doesn't matter in terms of how you're baptized but what's really important is what baptism means for us right that is we're new in Christ and that God has saved us and washed away our sins and that can be kind of hard to think about um, we don't mean to always make mistakes and do things wrong, but sometimes we do because we're people. Um, and that's just part of human nature is we make mistakes. And sometimes we might be mean to somebody or we might um, do something wrong unintentionally. And so what baptism does is think about it like this rock. So if you can see this rock, it's probably hard to see. It's kind of small, but it's all dirty. So think about when you go outside and you play and you get a little bit muddy and you look at your shoes. That's kind of what this rock looks like, right? There's a lot of dirt and gunk and stuff on it. And that kind of represents our sin, okay? Or those mistakes that we sometimes make in life. And so our baptism, what it represents is the washing away of that, right? So it's God's promise to us that he's taking care of that. He's washed away those sins and made us clean in him and given us a new life. So now we can be not dirty and icky, but shiny and clean and shine our light for Jesus for everybody. We can show others. We can share that light and that love with everyone we meet. So 
I want you guys to think about the next time you're washing your hands or the next time you're taking a bath, I want you to think about baptism and your baptism and what that means for your life and your um, salvation in Jesus. Okay, I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you soon. Thanks. Wesley, is my mic better now? Can you check on the headphones? Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Is the mic better now? Yes, okay, good. The mic is better now. Uh, sorry, you couldn't, uh, the band couldn't tell, but apparently I was clicking online. Friends, the 23rd Psalm, second verse, tells us that the Lord lets us rest grassy meadows, and leads us to peaceful waters. It sounds tranquil. It sounds calming and peaceful and dreamy. That's what God wants for us. God wants to lead us to these places where we can feel secure, where we can feel tranquil, and where we can feel serene and peaceful. That's what God wants. All of us. But if you're like me, Wednesday felt anything but peaceful. I had gone to lunch. When I got back, I fully intended to work on our confirmation class lesson. And as I began to work, all of a sudden, the phone started vibrating message after message from different news outlets that our capital storm that had been under siege. Under siege by hundreds upon hundreds of people who were angry about the outcome of the election, hoping to change the certification of our electoral college. And for the rest of the day, that's the only thing I had on my mind. And I feel bad for our confirmation class because I know they didn't get the best lesson out of that day. Because all I could think about was what was happening or had happened at the Capitol that day. And so Wednesday and Thursday, I contemplated how as a pastor, I should respond to this, and J.J. contemplated as well, and we decided we had to respond in some way, some form or fashion, not because we wanted to engage in politics. That's the last thing we want to do. But as Christians, as people of faith, we cannot ignore what happens in our world and pretend like it did not happen. We have to be able to respond, and we have to be able to respond the way that children of God respond. The way children of God respond is completely different than the way the rest of us respond. I remember being a kid in elementary school, and those of you that are my age and older probably remember this as well. Every morning, beginning our day with the Pledge of Allegiance and singing of the National Anthem. 
It's our Pledge of Allegiance. It's our national anthem. It is our Constitution which helps mold and fulfill and shape our values, our structures, our laws that we live under as American citizens. But as Christians, our affirmation of faith, our baptism, our scripture, those make up our national pledge of allegiance, our constitution. Because as good and lofty as the standards that our country is built on, as wonderful and valuable as the values that we have as a country that our constitution and our national our pledge of allegiance states, we live under a higher authority that offers greater standards, better values, different morals, and higher laws than anything a human being could write or And if we are honest about our faith, if we are honest about what it means to follow Jesus Christ, that means that we are Christians first and Americans second. We are citizens of the kingdom of God first and citizens of the United States second. And so all our responses all our actions, the way we behave, our values, and our laws supersede anything that we might find in our laws of this country, in the Constitution. And our baptism, our baptism is a guide leads us towards a healing that our country needs. Our country needs a people, needs the church to offer something that no one else can. Not a president, not a congress, not a military, not a police force. No one else can offer what the church has to offer because only the church has to offer Jesus Christ show the world what it is like to live in God and be its citizen. This is what our country needs us And our baptism guide us to what that our baptism show us because our baptism transforms us and makes us into something different than we are. What I have noticed over the last few years is that we have become a nation that decides that if someone is different than us, either in the way they look, in the way they behave, in their thoughts, in their philosophies, or even in their politics, 
then they are our enemies. The politics of today is not how can we work together so that we can do what is best for the American people. No, political expediency and political success says, I do whatever I can to make sure that the person on the other aisle fails. That is God leads us by still waters, and what do we do? Like children in a pool, we stir it up with our splashing, our kicking, and our pushing. That's not all we at In just a little bit, I'm going to ask you to renew your baptism vows with me. But right now, I want to begin by looking at what it is that our baptism does to us as people, how it transforms us. And Galatians 3, 26 through 29, shares with us how that is transforming us. See, you, all God's children, through faith in Christ Jesus, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now if you belong to Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Paul is telling us that we cannot look at our differences anymore when we have because those differences fade away in light, the light of Christ. We are no longer allowed simply look at each other differently. Now we are called. Child of God, celebrate that unity. If Paul were to write this today, I think what he would write is there is no longer Republican nor Democrat, neither liberal nor conservative, not right nor left. But all are one in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine what that could do to our country if our church, if the church, started to live that out each and every day? And not just in our pulpits and in our houses of worship, but in our day-to-day lives. When we talk to our co-workers, when we post on social media, when we're in the stands watching our children play sports, how transforming that would be because the rest of the world wants to pick and choose who their enemies are. And we can't go on like that any longer. If we continue to look at each other as enemies, then our country is going to go the same way that Rome went, that Babylon went, that the Persian Empire went. Abraham Lincoln said, After the Civil War, a country 
divided against itself cannot stand. What Abraham Lincoln was doing was paraphrasing the words of Christ that came from Mark chapter 3, verses 24. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. What Christ is saying is, is that we must live in unity or we will fall apart. We must live under the banner of the kingdom of God or all is lost. The only salvation that we have comes from Jesus Christ. And that salvation can save not only our country, but our world and our very we are willing to look at each other and see brothers and sisters instead of enemies. Instead of looking at each other and seeing someone that thinks differently than us, that looks differently than us, that behaves differently than us. If anything has become crystal clear over the last year, whether it is through protest against racial injustice, how we respond to the pandemic, our election, whether or not we're going to take vaccines, or the siege on our capital that happened this past Wednesday. What has become abundantly clear is that we are a deeply wounded and broken nation. And our faith, our baptism, as the healing balm that can heal our nation if we are willing to apply it and not go out and stir up those peaceful waters that God leads us to like the rest of the world does. But live in it and offer it to others and show that we can be different. The job of the church is not to expect the world to conform to it. The job of the church is not to become like everyone else, but to show how the world could be. That's what we're called to do in our baptism. I thought really long and hard over Wednesday and Thursday about how I would address this, and one of the passages. I considered was Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone throwing demons out in your name, and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. Jesus replied, Don't stop him. No one who does powerful acts in my name can quickly turn around and curse me. Whoever isn't against us is for us. I assure you that whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will be rewarded. Matthew and Luke share a similar story. Only in Matthew and Luke, Jesus says, whoever is not for us is against us. I may be biased because I think Mark is, Mark is my favorite gospel. But it's also the oldest gospel. So I think it's probably closest to Jesus' words. 
And there is a great difference that comes up between those who are for us or those who are not for us or against us and what Mark records Jesus saying, those who are not against us are for us. It's an entire chasm of difference. Those who are not against us are for us. Is basically Jesus saying, don't go looking for enemies where enemies don't exist. That seems to be what we're doing. We're looking for enemies where enemies don't exist. We're told by Christ to love our enemies. And if we follow that to its logical conclusion, that if we love our enemies, we have no enemies. Our baptism demands that we no longer see the differences that exist between each other. Our baptism demands that we give up all those labels, all those barriers that we put up between ourselves and our brothers and sisters. Because if we can't love each other, then it affects how we love God. It is time that we put these things aside and see each other as children of God if we want to exist beyond the next few years. If we want to go forth as a nation that is a shining beacon of light to the world, then the church has to do its part. And we have to live out our baptism. And so I want you to remember what your baptism means as we go through now our baptismal vows. And I invite you to follow along and speak the portion that is for the people as I speak the portion that is for your pastor. I ask you now in the presence of God and this congregation, do you renounce sin and the power of evil in your life and the world? I renounce them. Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Do you, by the grace of God, promise to be Christ's disciple, to follow in Christ's way, to show love, to practice justice, to resist evil, and to witness the living Christ? I promise, with the help of God, do you promise to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer to celebrate Christ's presence and to further Christ's mission in the world? I promise, with the help of God, these vows remind us of who we're supposed to be and the evil that we resist. That is one of two sacraments that we participate in. The second is Holy Communion. And Holy Communion picks up just where our baptism 
leaves off. The root word of communion and the root word of community are one and the same. We are transformed from people that are separate, from people that are different into one community, united through Christ. That's the power this meal has. Because we all come to this table as sinners. We all come to this table as broken. We all come to this table in need of God's grace. And we leave this table fed, loved, forgiven, and healed. Because Christ would rather be broken than us be broken. He took the bread and gave thanks to you. Broke it, saying, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Likewise, at the end of the evening, he took the cup and gave thanks to you again, offering it to his disciples, saying, take, drink, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. Lord God, we ask right now, as a broken and wounded people, that you would allow the miracle of this table to occur for our entire country. That you bring together strangers and form them into community. That you bring the broken and you heal them. That you welcome the sinner and forgive them. We know this can be done because we know right now as we request it that you would transform the elements that are presented today whether they are here or at home into the body and blood of Jesus Christ so that we might be made new, we might be healed and we might be made one under Christ. All honor and glory is yours now and forever almighty God. And as one people who reject our differences and accept the unity that comes through Christ, let us pray the words he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so, in our brokenness, Christ becomes broken. In our woundedness, Christ sheds his blood for us. And we take and we eat. And may Christ heal us all. Amen.
God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Republican nor Democrat. There is neither left nor right. Nor is there liberal and conservative. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Stop coming to church. Start coming to worship and go out and be the church. We can transform the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. to the river.